Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable, coming to you from Beijing. I'm Lai Ming. Coming up on today's show, the onslaught of AI technologies has introduced more complexities to our lives in cyberspace. Today, we investigate the efforts of online community building as a recent annual gathering of the internet industry shed some light on business development in China and around the world. Also, shopping mall owners need to rethink their development, if not survival, strategies as consumption patterns and consumer behaviors continue to evolve post-COVID in response to the growing shares of online shopping. At the moment, the spotlight is cast on young consumers and their inclination to shop on underground levels of shopping malls rather than the glamorous and almost serene upper decks. Why is that even a thing to talk about? You are welcome to share your views with us about your shopping preferences and the rationale behind them by writing to us at ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com. Now on Roundtable, we examine the stage of development regarding China's internet industry. For this discussion, I'm joined by Li Yi and Niu Holing. And first thing on the menu, there's been a few documents revealing the state of development regarding the internet industry in China and around the world. What are the latest findings here? Well, we do have several reports. One is the World Internet Development Report 2023 and also China Internet Development Report 2023. And these two reports analyzed indicate of internet development in 52 countries on five continents. And following the release of these two reports, we also have the release of the Global Internet Development Index. According to this index, China now ranks second in the world in terms of the internet industry development. And also uh, China and the U.S. are in the leading positions worldwide. And the countries including Singapore, the Netherlands, Finland and Sweden are also top tier in terms of internet development. Particularly, the role of Belt and Road Initiative is also highlighted um, because uh, when we are seeing the internet development industry of those countries participating in this uh, digital Silk Road, you are seeing that 15 partner countries with lower levels of internet development have been progressing at a, re- at a relatively fast speed. So that's some achievements coming from China's contribution to the global internet industry. Mm. And when it comes to the internet development, I am not surprised that we are looking at a lot of different reports, different indicators, because thinking back 20, 30 years ago, the utilization of the internet started to emerge in the society. We started to witness the wide use of internet and now it is everywhere everyone you start waking up you use your smartphone you use your smartwatch you start your day by maybe replying to a message sent to you by your colleague telling you what you need to do for the day and that is every corner of our life which means maybe we need to pay much more attention these days about uh, private our private data being protected in the internet. Maybe we can use the internet to do more things, not only buying stuff for individual, but also we say a digitalization of different industry, of different area could help those in a relatively not that advanced stage to gain a better life. Right, right. Uh, Rome wasn't built in a day. When you say China uh, over the past few decades has managed to become uh, the world's leading economy, 
economies with regard to uh, the internet industry, it really um, the changes took place uh, in multiple stages. I mean, it sort of coincides with the uh, introduction, also promotion of um, telecommunication technologies. Mm. Talking about 4G and 5G. Um, in 2022, China's digital economy had reached 50.2 trillion yuan. Uh, that's up from 11 trillion yuan in 2012. And China has also rolled out the world's largest and most advanced 5G high-speed mobile network. By June 2023, China had about 1.08 billion internet users, nearly double the number recorded at the end of 2012. So we, when we look back as just commoners who use gadgets here in this country. We remember the stages in which we introduced and, and started adopting 4G and 5G. 4G was really influential in technologies like mobile payment and, and streaming, and 5G uh, even more so um, because it's made uh, internet con- connection much faster and therefore more efficient, uh, enabling a lot more advanced technology like so even self-driving cars. So uh, all of this in- development that we are talking about uh, here for China and perhaps for leading countries in the world uh, has to do has to be based on infrastructure and hardware. Yes, and also uh, days ago there was this award ceremony of the World Internet Conference award for pioneering science and technology. There are 15 different kinds of technology. To be honest, I don't think I understand half of those. Quite high-tacky-tacky even for me. Mm -hmm. And you see there's uh, several ones, including, well, I think related to 5G. It's about making 5G much faster and making the transmit of data uh, more reliable. You think faster is good enough for everyday use, but if you're thinking about, I don't know, operating a remote uh, operation on someone, mm. you really need the transmission of the data to be as safe as possible. No you latency, no real-time latency feedback. Mm. Exactly. That's very important. And also there's, of course, artificial intelligence related, large language model, something we talk about quite often on Roundtable, something very important. Both, well, actually, actually, I feel like large language models are being developed by all the major players in the internet uh, area. And also, we see uh, artificial intelligence being used in medical use and also real vehicle inspection robots and visual content perception. These are several areas that artificial intelligence is being used and also these are the areas that's being awarded. And also there's vehicle to everything. That is another area. You see, I think two or three different awards being awarded to this area. And of course, communication technology, digitalization of oil field, basically a smart audio field. You do not have to risk the life of um, ordinary manual workers anymore that much, making the mine as mine as well as audio field as safer, as smartly controlled as possible. And of course, cybersecurity and cyber safety. And these are the areas that has been awarded. And we've seen breakthroughs in these areas as well. Yeah, talking about AI, actually, you know, just a few days earlier, we see OpenAI introduced a new AI chatbot platform where users can create their own very versions of ChatGPT and no coding is really required. This just looks like regular users. 
uh, I think uh, users that are subscribing, they're upgrading business. Even people the, who don't know how to code, they're, yes, they're able to use that. Yes, you can really create your own version of chatbot, and you can train your chatbot in, into someone. Like say, you want to train someone who is good at uh, uh, writing, uh, writing articles and doing research, and maybe you can just name this robot as research robot, and then you can just uh, put every information into this robot and then train it into a very professional one. I see um, the the. The look on her face, you know, is quite amazing. I know, because previously we think coding is the language for the next generation. Yes. We believe everyone needs to learn to code, but now that skill is no longer that necessary anymore. I know, especially, you know, it's just a year after the chat GPT was released. Think about a year ago on Roundtable Show, we still discussed, you know, how efficient chat, chat GPT could be and whether our jobs will be replaced by AI and its future development. But now, a year later, see how AI is developing so fast. So that's how you see technology, and especially AI, is transforming literally every sector, every industry here in China and also worldwide. Right. Tencent Cloud, one of China's top cloud service vendors, has provided more than 50 foundation models for 10 industries, such as finance, cultural and tourism, media, government affairs and education. So uh, not just Tencent, uh, not just ChatGPT and yes. OpenAI. There are plenty of companies uh, only in, in Beijing, not not just in, in China. They are, they are introducing and they are pushing the boundaries of AI technologies even as we speak. And again, um, I think we brought this up on Roundtable before. And it's been a major issue of discussion. And that is uh, with the advent or in fact the onslaught of AI. There's a lot of uh, repercussions being felt and in fact a lot of discussions as well as to how are we going to best employ this technology with, without, without harming or causing damage to existing uh, forms of business or people's own interest. So uh, I understand that there's been a recent document about AI as well. Yes, um, actually, during just uh, the Wujin Summit of World Internet Conference, which just uh, concluded a consensus of developing responsible generative artificial intelligence was released. This report actually called for global efforts to develop the more responsible generative AI, uh, especially it urged the relevant stakeholders to prevent the abuse and the malicious use of the technology to strengthen data security, protection of personal information, and privacy. This is because when we are talking about all the possibilities brought by AI, we are seeing transformation being uh, implemented in all industries um, with the combination of AI. One keyword always couples with those is risk. We are trying to put, you know, control of those risks, such as um, the possibility of uh, data leak and also AI fraud, uh, and also entrenching bias. These are also some major concerns coming from the global community when it comes to AI. So that's why I think this report, the consensus of developing responsible AI is so important. Mm. Roundtable has put a lot of uh, concentration on artificial intelligence. I think when China has first enrolled enrolled its, let's say, its uh, regulation on how to develop artificial intelligence more, let's say, properly. We've 
given it uh, a proper time to discuss about right. all the regulations, it's relatively more conducive and telling people how to do this development in a relatively more responsible manner. And that is, but in my opinion, I feel like artificial intelligence is the key word. It's, a, it's the popular word. It's very hot. People talk about it and believe it's something that's trendy, that's fun. But actually, it is only a kind of algorithm. It works in different areas, and you need to put them in use of actual, let's say, cases of right. actual areas to actually help people gaining a, let's say, better level or better quality of life, which is why I think somehow it's relatively more important to see how people are actually doing with the help of internet, with the help of development of technology in different areas, in building better infrastructure, in fostering better education, in helping those in relatively poor areas to gain a better business opportunities. And those are actually demonstrated in another set of report as well. Right. So the issue with AI is that, uh, and also together with other uh, cutting-edge uh, internet technologies, is that on the uh, user interface or on the uh, consumer end, uh, people, the average people hardly notice the amount of computing power that's required in making these technologies available and the amount of investment, the amount of hardware that's required to make these possible. So um, as such, I think uh, Nunu raised a very good point, and that is how are we making use of these technologies? What's the next step once we already have them and we prove that we can be more efficient with these technologies? This issue of, well, the technology gap here. I'm, I'm, by technology gap, I don't just mean the gap uh, between, let's say, the elder members of the society who may or may not be very familiar with uh, IT, but I also mean pe uh, places and people who don't necessarily have the infrastructure to or have access to such technologies, and uh, which is why Belt and Road came into picture uh, um, in recent documents. Yes, and I think China has uh, always been working to promote this uh, experience and also very well-established uh, model to other countries to help them to promote local economy with the usage of digitalization or digital tools. For example, uh, we talk about poverty alleviation in the past few years. Right here in China, we see how like uh, more uh, how a huge number of villages are being uh, lifted out of poverty. Oh, and uh, one major approach would be digitalization, would be e-commerce. And now I think China is also trying to promote such business mode to other countries. For example, there is a partnership between China's major e-commerce platform Alibaba with UN's International Trade Center to support poverty alleviation with digitalization in African developing countries. And uh, there are three major aspects that two uh, organizations are working on. The first one is to promote some unique product coming from local economy. For example, the Highland coffee from Ethiopia is a very good example. Um, so the um, this project is trying to uh, really upgrading the whole coffee industry from Ethiopia by creating new packaging and uh, trying to build some new brand stories for the coffee. And then they are also providing better supply chain services and also some e-commerce marketing 
tools, both online and offline, to help local people to sell their coffee products, which are really good, and which is vital for local economy and also for local livelihood. Because in Ethiopia, the major Uh, coffee planting work is conducted by women, so that means when we are trying to use this digital tool to help local people to sell their coffee, and the extra money coming from this business can go to these women, and which will benefit their children, which will benefit the whole education actually. So. That is how the powerful digital tool could be.、Mm, that, I think that is a really good story, and that's not the only thing Alibaba has done. Actually,、uh, we see that、um, they have also tried to, let's say, cooperate with the.、Um, United Nations International Trade Center. They signed a memorandum of understanding, committing to leverage the strengths of both parties and jointly support the participation of micro, small, and medium enterprises. So the SMEs are being,、uh, let's say, helped, and they try to make sure contribute. They contribute to digital poverty redu-、uh, reduction and、um, try to help. Um, promote sustainable development in developing countries, and we have a saying in Chinese. We say "穷则独善其身，达则天兼济天下 Basically, means to preserve your dignity as a nobody and promote or contribute to social welfare as a somebody. And we see the development of these major players in China, these major companies, and they are trying also to. As they are already quite large in scale, they are also trying to help others. Not only the others in China, but also others around the world. Actually, China Unicom Global Limited deploy edge cloud nodes globally, enabling resource efficiency improvement and reduce costs. What they are doing is basically to help those, like Liming has mentioned, those relatively less developed countries who did. Just do not necessarily have the infrastructure to have huge computing power to、mm-hmm. share the computing power that is already existed and not readily not already in use in relatively developed countries. So by let's say、um, deploy these edge cloud nodes globally, they can help reduce the if or reduce the costs while improve the efficiency. Would you、uh, care to elaborate a bit more on how do we? How do let's say a less developed country in terms of IT could access the computing power of a different region? I know here in China,、um, a lot of、uh, people who use iPhones or or other、uh, smart gadgets, they have their data stored in Guizhou, which is southwest China. And then, so、um, how do you?、Um, so I, I would have found, I would imagine that it's the same kind of logic or the same kind of technology being employed, whereas uh, maybe uh, a business in、uh, in African countries、uh, that have demand that has demand for a certain computing powers, they could、uh, leverage that access. But this would require tremendous investment in, in infrastructure. See, you've already successfully answered your own question.、Hmm. So, of course, there will be construction of、uh, servers in different places,、right. but also by allowing, giving them access to the large, relatively large internet, they would be using computing powers from other servers as well. And I know it's much more complicated than that, but that is basically the logic. And I think it's because China and, of course, Chinese leaders have focused a lot and reiterate on the importance of open collaboration. To allow more countries and people to benefit from the achievements of internet de-、uh, development, that is the reason a lot of different enterprises are also doing what they are doing right now. 
Mm-hmm. So here in China, we talk a lot about the community of shared future. I mean, is uh, is the the keyword when we talk about the Belt and Road Initiative, and is how China is hoping to uh, expand the opportunities that it has enjoyed so far to uh, areas beyond its borders to uh, the to our friends in in other continents. Um, but this is, let's say, in in real economic ten, ten sense. Uh, but when it comes to the recent documents, or in fact the the recent event of the World Internet Conference that was just concluded last Friday in in uh, in Wuhan, um, we are talking about a community of jet future in cyberspace, and this perhaps is uh, almost in line with what we talking what we have been talking about. And that is, we would like to share the opportunities we have enjoyed so far with um, our uh, advancement in technology and the economy to um, speed up and expand the, the impact of technology so that more people can get get access. This is mutually beneficial. I mean, now that we have this manufacturing capacity with regard to 5G and other um, infrastructure, um, we do benefit by promoting them elsewhere. Mm, um, totally. By enjoying a bigger market. But likewise, when we have that connectivity uh, on a wider uh, scale, then uh, a more a lot more opportunities can, can come out of this. And this we've seen uh, the just-concluded Import Expo, China, Interna- China International Import Expo, and this we hope to see in cyberspace as well. And I think, you know, especially in cyberspace, international cooperation is so important and we emphasize it uh, like a lot of times uh, in different events in different important occasions and uh, I think economy is just one aspect of such international collaboration especially in the online world Uh, I think sometimes like people to people exchange or cultural exchange can also be benefiting from such international collaboration from digitalization. Let me just uh, give you one more example. You know, China's National Library has established a very famous Chinese ancient books resources database in 2016. Okay. And this has also been listed as a very typical typical example of you know building an inclusive cyberspace community on a global basis. Because, uh, you know, this database covers over 130 3,000 volumes and items, and almost all of them, all precious documents uh, in the Chinese civilization, in the, in the Chinese history, are included. And uh, it particularly like breaks the restriction of time and space, sharing these resources globally. And more importantly, we are also releasing ancient books from overseas libraries and institutions. And this can also be a very important platform for global researchers uh, researchers to do their study about history, about human civilization, understanding our culture and other people's culture uh, in a more deeper way. So I think this is uh, just another example of how internet, of how building more well-established infrastructure, of how promoting digitalization could just benefit human beings. Mm, I think, well, culture and education go hand in hand. And we know that here in China, uh, online courses seem to be not that big a deal. But actually, in a lot of countries, including, for example, some African countries or some less developed countries, it's still relatively a new concept. And actually, 
Globally, UNESCO, in collaboration with Chinese tech enterprises and global higher education institutions, we see the collaboration of 18 countries and regions such as Egypt, Ethiopia, Pakistan, Gambia, and China. And they are starting this smart classroom. And the idea is to have one classroom for one university in one country. With that one classroom, you think it's not a huge deal, but actually with that one classroom, you'd be able to record online classes and you'd be able to train doctors. uh, And by saying doctors, I mean PhDs and also teachers online. And actually in Egypt, the smart classroom has provided uh, the university with the support and with the possibility and uh, capability to cope with COVID-19. And actually, they have recorded online courses in the country so that it, this initiative has benefited more than 20,000 students. And in Nigeria, the smart classroom has enabled uh, students and teachers to access to training programs and establish an online education platform. And all these infrastructure construction has done a lot in these countries' education sector. Mm -hmm. So tremendous benefits can be expected by fostering uh, exchanges and openness in the cyberspace as well as in the real economy. But again, um, we are as we are so excited about um, the openness of the internet, we also are uh, acknowledging that there are opportunities as well as challenges, for instance, as faced by more owners uh, across China. And um, we will come to that uh, topic much later 